Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast, by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy of the Journal's Cult of Hockey, and I'm here tonight with my Cult of Hockey co-writer and colleague, Kurt Levins. Hey, Kurt, how are you tonight? Oh, I'd, probably like you, I'd be better with a different result, but uh, all things considered, not bad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. It'd be better with a different result. Oilers had a 3-1 lead with just eight minutes to play and seem to be in position to close out the game as they've closed out so many lately. But uh, uh, Toronto's second line kind of ate up. Edmonton's second line down the stretch. Got a got a, a couple of goals, got a good bounce in there. And uh, add that to the good bounces. Kurt, where'd you go? Uh, I think I have another person trying to call me right now, but okay. I'll but I'll decline that for now and see if All I right. come back. Sure. <laughs> there I am. Okay, yeah, there you are. All Sorry right, about well, that. You know what? We won't uh, we won't bother to try and fix it. People are used to glitches between David and me. We usually have one or two a night, so we'll yeah, talk up another one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it was. Uh, it was a strange and interesting game of which uh, uh, I th- I th- I'll let you make the argument as to which team was the better team and deserved to win. Let's start there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Leafs narrowly were the better team. Certainly they mm-hmm. had the edge in shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought both goaltenders were comparable, although Mike Smith was certainly tested more. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the, the edge in goaltending goes to him. Um, but I think in terms of possession, shots on net, etc., I do think the Leafs were narrowly the better team on the night. Having said that, that's a game you got to win. Um, yeah. And the point's okay. The Oilers have not been picking up many loser points this year. So I'll, first I'll, one. If I, yeah, so if I, if I set my emotion aside, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's not insignificant because, uh, because now we're eight points up on Vancouver. Right. Uh, who are in fifth spot right now. So that's significant. Uh, but still, 3-1 that late, you got to win that game. Yeah, they, they they close that out. They're tied with Toronto, and as the way it turned out, they're three points behind Toronto. So that was uh, um, that was kind of a bitter pill to, uh, to swallow down the stretch when uh, things have been going well for the most part. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with how the Oilers were defending in the third period. Uh, uh, that they were in closeout mode the way we'd seen against other teams, uh, but shall we say lesser teams uh, uh, in recent times. And they uh, uh, they weren't totally sharp after having the week off, but uh, uh, they survived the first period. And I thought once they got through that, and especially once they got through the second, ahead three to one, I thought things were really going our way. But uh, uh, that's uh, unfortunately not how... Uh, how things turned out. Uh, so we're going to do our usual thing, two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. And so as usual, uh, let's start off with our good things, one each. And uh, Kurt, uh, you take the lead. Um, well, then I'll start off with the guy who I thought was the best player on the ice tonight, with all due respect to uh, to John Tavares, who I thought was excellent for the Leafs. I thought he was Toronto's best player. Uh, but mm. I thought the best player on the ice was Leon Draisaitl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that first line overall was exceptional tonight. And, and Leon was a massive part of that three points on the night and all three goals. I mean, all of them had something special about them. 
which is what you get when you have a superstar uh, playing at the top of his game. I mean, on that first goal, it was that it was that little play in his own deep in his own zone by Drysaddle that, mm-hmm. uh, that that spit the Oilers out of the zone and, and sent them up the ice. And eventually, of course, uh, Nurse popped that one five hole to, to tie the game at one. But a real smart, clever play in his own zone by Drysaddle to draw the assist on that. Uh, the second goal was 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 a one timer, and I thought that that one timer that Leon scored on was very similar to to the one that he scored on from from Connor a couple of a few I guess a few nights ago now seems like forever since we played last um it it was a stunning pass uh through the seam uh by McDavid but it was it was on and off Leon's stick in a heartbeat I mean that thing was gone beautiful goal then on the third goal um if you wind the tape back a little bit it's Leon's takeaway yeah. behind uh, the the uh, the attacking team's goal line. He yeah. steals the puck, it pops out into the corner, comes back to him, and then the no-look backhand to uh, to Barry, who is darting into the into the slot. And I swear, if that pass is a little bit this way or a little bit that way, Barry has to double-clutch, and I don't know if he scores that goal. Right. But it was right on the tape without mm-hmm. him even looking at him. And it was just a spectacular play. Uh, and there was a few others uh, tonight as well. I, I thought that um, Leon was one of the few Oilers that didn't display much rust. I thought the energy level in the, on the club overall was decent. Um, but in terms of the players who really looked sharp, I thought Leon was the one guy offensively who did. And it, it looked like that on the score sheet as well. Three points on three goals. Hard to argue. So... Uh, my good thing, I'm going to recognize uh, netminder Mike Smith, who, uh, if you look at the stat sheet, you'll see 31 shots against four goals and eight-something save percentage, and say, well, that's not all that good, and it isn't all that good. Uh, I'm prepared to cut him a break on three of the goals against that were results of uh, of uh, some very unfortunate bounces from an Oilers perspective. Uh, the first goal, well, we'll talk about the bounces in a bit, I guess, but uh, let's talk instead about the saves that Mike Smith made. Uh, a number of them bang-bang saves from close range. He robbed Austin Matthews a couple of times. Uh, he uh, he stoned John Tavares. He, he robbed Mitch Marner. Like Toronto's best players were getting some uh, some great chances from uh, from close range, and Smith was shutting the door. And the biggest of all was the fantastic save he made uh, maybe 10 seconds after Toronto tied the score 3-3, that would have g- given Toronto a 4-3 regulation win. And as bad as losing this game the way the Oilers lost, it sucks. Losing it in regulation would have sucked a lot worse. Yes. So, you know, like, at least they can take away a point. And as you say, uh, put a little distance between them and Vancouver and come away from, with something from this game other than crushing disappointment. I totally agree. I thought Mike Smith deserved a lot better than he got tonight. I um, thought he was really, really sharp. I, I, I agree. I thought on three of the four goals, uh, I, I don't put Smith at fault at all. And I don't really blame him on, on, the, on the other one either. Uh, so I, I agree with you. He was, he was sharp and faced more rubber than the guy at, at the other end of the ice. Um, you hate not winning a game when, you're, when your goaltender plays that well. Yeah. Yeah. Tippett tip went out of his way to mention that in uh, uh, in the post game that he thought he was disappointed that his team wasn't able to win that game for Smith. But yep. uh, 
anyway, it was, uh, uh, you can't, I can't really look back and say, well, you know, he really should have had that one. There was a couple of saves he made that were kind of sketchy that he was fighting the puck a little bit, but he was keeping it out yep. of the net, which of course is job number one. But well, like that one save he made on Marner, um, he was initially Mike was going the other way, yes, and it was one, his yeah. and it was his and it was his leg that he dragged yeah. uh, that 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 made the save unorthodox mm-hmm. to say the least, but still mm-hmm. it was a huge stop, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's turn the page and let's talk each about uh, our bad thing. Again, just one each. So, I mean, this this game wasn't a complete catastrophe by any means, but uh, I think we can each find a bad thing to talk about. You go first. Yeah, I could I could have I could pick from a few, um, um, yeah. but you know what? I'll focus on the Oilers' second line tonight. Uh, I honestly thought the matchup of the two second lines was the difference in this game. Um, and when you look at the score sheet, that they they line up. I thought the Tavares line was was excellent. I already mentioned I thought John Tavares was the best leaf tonight. Um, but the three players on that second line, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, and Cahoon, were the only three Oilers forwards who were a minus in the game. And when you look at possession, the second line was absolutely crushed five on five. I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, Nugent Hopkins centering the line, eleven uh, percent mm-hmm. on faceoffs. One one draw out of nine. That's not going to get it done. Um, I'm prepared to cut Yamamoto a little bit of a break, I guess, because he's coming off the disabled list, uh, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a little bit of rust there. So if, if I'm kind, I cut him, him some slack. But I'm not kind with the turnover that Dominic Cahoon committed in the neutral zone. At that point in the game, it's Awful puck management. That puck has to get deep. There is no mm-hmm. question about it. He was yeah. fully in possession of it. No excuse. And it, bam, and it was, turned around and, and away away we went. Um, and that's kind of felt like how the play went again between the two second lines mm-hmm. on, on this night. And I, I suspect there's a lineup change coming before uh, the, uh, the rematch of this game because yeah. I don't think that 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 second line isn't going to win you many hockey games, at least not playing like that. Um, not against John Tavares Nugent, and company. Right. You know, John Tavares, I mean, this guy's an Olympian, right? He, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a, as far as I'm concerned, he's an elite NHL player. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I have lots of respect for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but he got soundly outplayed tonight. Um, and I think something, something's got to give, and I won't be surprised if Dominic Cahoon uh, is sitting out the next one. So. Well, he would be the one to target of the three. I mean, obviously, Nuge is going to be in the lineup somewhere, and Yamamoto, as you say, was just coming back. I thought he looked a little rusty and a little sort of indecisive, which is not usually his issue. Um, yep. But Cahoon, like I said, that turnover, like he did kind of get trapped on a high-speed trap in the neutral zone, but once he got to center, you're right, that puck has to go deep. you got a two-goal yep. lead. The clock is your friend. Get it in yep. there. Get four checking, see if you can knock 15 seconds off the clock, get the hell to the bench and let the ne- next line cycle out there. And you know and, what? The two previous plays to that, Bruce, mm-hmm. Oilers forwards did do that. Zach Cassian was one of them. It, I, yep. In fact, I think he actually glanced up at the clock and then and then yeah. flipped it deep, right? Mm-hmm. That's the veteran play that has to be made there, and Cahoon didn't, and the team paid for it. So, 
So here's my question. You, you say you change Cahoon on that line. Do you change the concept and you go back to dry settle in the middle because uh, Nuge couldn't handle Tavares? Or yeah, to, it's, am I oversimplifying when I say that? Uh, no, I don't think you're oversimplifying at all. I, I think it's a very reasonable question to ask, and I'm not sure I know what the answer is. I think, I think I'd put Ennis on that line mm -hmm. for one. Uh, because yeah. I let's if if we swap those two players, I think Tyler Ennis at that point in the game gets that puck deep. <laughs> so maybe I'm oversimplifying too. But if you, if it's a one right. for one change, I don't think you get yeah. scored on that shift if you have a different guy on the left side. Um, I don't know because I the, the McDavid Drysaddle uh, Pulyarvi line, and I thought yes, he had a very good game too. I thought yeah. I thought he played well. Mm -hmm. um, they were they were the best line um, on the ice. And so I'm I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little reluctant to break them up because right. they were the reason we had three. <laughs> so it's a good question. I'm sure Dave Tippett's rolling over in his his head as well. My answer is I'm not sure. Some genuine magic uh, on a couple of those goals, and uh, especially the the middle goal where they combined to put Edmonton ahead, uh, where McDavid. Uh, won a race to a puck and chipped it over the blue line. I knew right then the Toronto defense, and I think it was Hall, was in big trouble. Yep. And sure enough, McDavid got wide ice on him, and then Drysaddle was just smart enough to, to slow down as he cruised into the slot to give a little bit of space between, because the defense, the other defenseman, of course, is trying to watch McDavid and Drysaddle, and Leon just kind of yep. eased up a little bit and created maybe three or five feet more separation between him and the D-man. And, of course, McDavid put the perfect feed right in there, and Leon did what Leon does and put her in the net with authority. And, yeah. and uh, seconds was... before that, uh, Leon mm -hmm. had, uh, leaving from his own blue line, had busted his ass to help create the odd man rush. Right. But then you're right, by, by slowing down, he, he, he created some gap between himself and the defender, and that was, that was key to being able to get that shot off. A, what a marvelous play. Right on. So anyway, that's uh, that was the first line, and and so obviously that's not our bad thing. In fact, you already kind of labeled it as our good thing. And second line, not so much. Uh, my bad thing is uh, what we call in the oilogosphere the hockey gods. Um, many people just call them the hockey gods, and they are evil, evil, evil <laughs> hockey gods. They do not yeah. like the Edmonton Oilers, and they have not liked the Edmonton Oilers for a long. Long time, at least on the ice. Maybe we got lucky in a couple of draft lotteries along the way. But holy moly. I mean, Toronto got two goals tonight that were just pure flukes in terms of the bounce of the puck. Uh, the goal that opened the scoring was just a you know, routine play down low. Darnell Nurse got a piece of it. The puck popped high in the air out of Mike Smith's line of vision. It came down and landed on the top of Smith's helmet and then it came down and it bounced off of his arm and into the net. So it hit Nurse, it hit Smith, it hit Smith again. And in between time, a Toronto player tried to glove the puck and he missed it. So that didn't, all it did was distract Smith into, you know, trying to make a play on it. But because he didn't touch it, it was perfectly legal. Yep. Uh, and as a result, I mean, the goal was, was, the goal was legal. It was just crap. And it's like third yep. Saturday night in a row. The first goal of the game has been scored <laughs> against the Oilers. And all three of them have been cropped. We got the Vancouver rugby goal where they were given a 10-second attempt to try to get the, the get the try. And they did. And then uh, last Saturday when Winnipeg opened the scoring on a double deflection that hit uh, Adam Larson and then uh, Andrew Kopp in the shin pad and bounced off the ice and right <laughs> inside the post. 
at least that was more of a sort of normal bad luck goal. And then, of course, on the 3-3 goal tonight, uh, the puck uh, deflected. The, the pass from behind the net was going off to the side, and it got deflected right into the slot, right onto the stick of, uh, of, uh, of uh, William Nylander. And that was off course, Russell's Smith skate, is, right? Yeah, I think it hit Russell in the skate, and, and Smith was playing it to go to the left, and by the time he reacted to it being on Nylander's stick, Nylander had the open side, and he put it in there. Yeah, and I don't really blame Smith. It was just a really sort of fortuitous bounce for Toronto, their second yeah, agreed. one. Agreed. Yeah. And then we get to the game-winning goal, uh, <laughs> scored scored by officially by Austin Matthews, and it was uh, a play where uh, uh, Edmonton did have possession of the puck, and they tried to break McDavid up the middle, and Toronto got possession, and McDavid came back on the back check, and Matthews. I don't know, Kurt, he kind of picked him off to me, but there was a pick. Yeah. There was a there was big contact and it slowed McDavid down and Matthews just kept going. And it turned the three on three into a three on two. And of course the puck came back to Matthews. And he tries to shoot towards the net. Drysidle gets a stick in there and deflects the puck sideways and presumably out of danger until it hits a second oiler, Darnell Nurse, on the leg and bounces right into the open side of the net. Again, a double deflection. That had eyes. It's like the net has a magnet in the back of it for, <laughs> for pucks to go in it off of these frickin' deflections. Yeah. And and a night where Toronto had already got an extraordinarily fluky goal, that is a real crappy way to lose. Yeah. And a crappy way to end an otherwise entertaining Crappy way to win. Right? Yeah. No, it's uh I, I don't I don't hold it against the Leafs for, for winning, but when when you have two really entertaining clubs like the Oilers playing a really tight game like the one they played, to have that one win it kinda sucks. So Yeah. Well when they play guess, they, the Oilers other overtime game of the season was again also against Toronto eight weeks ago tonight. Also decided in the first minute of, of overtime on a goal by McDavid from Drysdale, but that was a beauty. Like it was a good clean goal. This one yeah. was just Hockey guards decide they want Toronto to win. <laughs> Frustrating. I mean, obviously, yep. obviously, I'm being facetious to a degree, but you can call it what you want. You can just call it shitty bounces if you like, and that's what they were. But Toronto mm-hmm. got at least two, arguably three of them, that led directly to goals. Um, I, I would have said three, uh, so I'm right with you. So. Frustrating. Yep. Kurt, what's your number? Um, 115. <laughs> oh, 115 are the combined points that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have to this point in the season, 35 games in. They have 115 between them. Um, that's the most by a pair of Oilers since 87-88, when guys named Wayne and Mark had combined for 132. <laughs> wow. Uh, not since ha- has a pair at, at the 35-game mark had as many points as, as Connor and Leon. Has and it kind of kind of speaks to the point when you're asking, you know, do you break up that first line? Well, boy, I don't know. They're yeah. they're they're damn near impossible to stop when they're playing together. That's a that's a difficult thing to to kind of back away from. Um, and you can see um, the kind of company they're in with the production that they're that they're creating. Uh, so that's that's my number for tonight, Bruce. What's yours? Yeah, I, th- I think most since eighty seven, eighty eight, but. Uh... Uh, the record would have been set a few years before that. I know there was two different years where Wayne Gretzky alone had 100 points by the 35-game mark. 
right? Yeah, yeah. hundred points. I think thirty-four was was his best. And so, of course, in one of those years, one of his line mates would have had, you know, probably Curry had fifty kind of thing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's it is an extraordinary number, and the two of them have opened up a pretty wide lead among the uh, uh, among the on the NHL scoring race. So they they certainly have three goals tonight, and they got five points between them. What does that tell you? Anyway, and the and if I remember right, in the three mm-hmm. games that we lost to Toronto consecutively in Edmonton, I think those guys had one assist between them in the three games. Did they not? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They had uh, Drysaddle set up Nugent Hopkins for the only goal that Edmonton scored in the series. Right. So they both had a bee in their bonnet tonight, and I was anticipating a big game for them, and, and uh, uh, I would say we got it, but uh, it wasn't quite enough yes. uh, support, puck luck, and whatever else to get the job done. And, you know, <clears throat> David came so close to... Scoring right after Toronto made it three-two. McDavid had a I great know. chance and was robbed by yep. uh, by Campbell. And you know he tried to put it in under his arm and he just fought it off and just missed the post on the way through. I thought Young Campbell was pretty decent. I think he might have <laughs> wanted to have that first one, but he made a couple saves later in the game that I th- I yeah. thought kept the Oilers from extending the lead. And I thought he was I thought he was pretty decent tonight. Yeah. So for my number, I'm going to go with uh, 33%, which was the Oilers' success rate on the uh, face-off dot tonight. 15 face-off wins, 30 losses. So literally uh, one out of three along the way. And now, extraordinarily to me, and I, I'm not—I don't have like huge data on this, but there was nine face-offs in the first period, eight whistles in the first period. And I don't ever remember seeing single digits. For, for that. Uh, certainly, uh, it wasn't like it was great pulsating action, but it was continuous action, other than that time the glass broke. And they, they uh, so they had a bit of a delay there when Chris Rush, Russell absolutely crushed, I think it was Kirk, yeah, into uh, the glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and busted the glass. So they had a bit of a delay for that, but uh, they weren't waiting around for face-offs very much because there weren't any. And that was good for the Oilers, I guess, given how bad they were on the dot. Here's the, here's the gory details. Jujar Kara, one out of five, 20%. Leon Dreisaitl, five out of 10, or sorry, five out of 15, five wins, 10 losses, 33%. So bang on the team average. Uh, Gaetan Haas, four wins, four losses, 50%. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, one win, eight losses, 11%. And I think most of that was against John Tavares, who went a perfect eight and zero in this game tonight. Yep. So, yeah. And then finally, well, Connor McDavid was the only one above water with uh, four wins and three losses for 57%. But they had uh, uh, basically three different centers that were getting crushed on the dot throughout the game. And Toronto started with the puck a lot. And there's also those, you know, those little plays, you know, little chants where the other team ices the puck and they got guys that have been out there for 45 seconds and you send fresh troops over the boards and you may get a mismatch in your favor if the troops are the first line and then the second win guys are the are a lower line. But you got to win the face-off or that advantage is gone. So sometimes those are particularly critical uh, draws and uh, 
they just weren't starting enough plays with possession of the puck. And I think it was a game, even though there wasn't a game where you could say, well, they lost a the face-off and four seconds later they were fishing the puck out of their net. But it was a game where they didn't have the puck as much as you would like, and that was uh, part of the reason they were starting without it. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The story behind the story with Gaetan Haas is mm-hmm. um, he he lost three consecutive defensive zone face-offs on the penalty kill. Two on one penalty kill, and then he, he took the first defensive zone face-off on the next penalty kill, lost it as well. Now, to their credit, the Oilers' PK bent but didn't break, and he didn't end up getting tagged for those three losses. But it took me back to the conversation that you and David and I had on, on Friday night on the, on the podcast when we were talking about, you know, what are the Oilers' needs at the deadline? And as I was watching Gaetan Haas lose one defensive zone face-off after another on the PK, I thought there would be a good thing to improve. Uh, have someone who's who can keep his head above water in that situation because Gaetan Haas, who's a decent NHL hockey player, who I've got time for, I really do, um, but he's mired in the mid-40s in face-off percentage. And mm-hmm. you might lose one defensive zone draw like that. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but to lose three back to back to back, I noticed after that, he came right off the ice. Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. came on and won the next one. Um, but then, then you're having to put Leon on the ice, Leon on the ice over and over and over again in the defensive yeah. zone. And then you start to rack his minutes up. So it's a problem they've got to solve because neither Gaetan Haas nor, nor, um, Jujar Kara or Ryan Nugent Hopkins for that matter. Uh, seem to have the ability to win a face-off when you need a face-off one. Right. And I know after the two face-off losses, uh, both times Toronto had a wicked shot on net within five to eight seconds. And yep. Smith made Smith made a couple of good saves. And then uh, uh, after the second one, the play stayed alive, and Haas, to his credit, did make a good play inside the blue line to break up a Toronto possession and get it out, and then he got off. But this was after his goalie had bailed him out twice. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, and as I said, there, there's good aspects to Haas's game. He's got really good wheels. Mm-hmm. He, he seems like a very intelligent player. Like I don't see him making dumb plays. A lost faceoff isn't a dumb play. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a physical battle loss mostly, right? And he just doesn't seem to have the touch. Yeah. Well, he played 14 minutes and 20 seconds tonight, and Jujar Kara played eight minutes and 19 seconds. And when you wipe out the penalty kill, it was like 12.45 to 6.29. So Haas was getting double the ice time that Kara was at even strength. So yeah. clearly there's stuff in his game that Dave Tippett likes. But uh, there was um, uh, that that issue on the face-off dot is a thing. And, and like I said in the podcast last night, it's especially a thing on the penalty kill if you only have one center. But also on the penalty kill, when the other team gets to choose which side of the ice the face-off is, you, you better have a righty who, who you can uh, rely on to, to win his share uh, yeah. on your penalty kill unit. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure the Oilers have that even yet. And all three of those losses by Haas were on his strong side. Yes, yeah, that's Toronto would have picked that side because all their top yes. guys, or at least their power play guys, are lefties. They also have Jason Spezza, who's a great right-handed face-off man, and they use Spezza as a specialty role as a fogo on the penalty kill, win the draw, mm-hmm. 
get the zone cleared and then because I don't think he racks up a lot of minutes, but they said he was some he was the best in the league, fifty two wins and thirty seven losses or something on the penalty kill, which is outstanding. Yeah, as a as a right shot center, and the Oilers don't have that, and that's a fact. It'd be nice to have it though, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you yes, mentioned those third and fourth lines. I actually didn't think they were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I thought they, for the most part, sawed off. And I remember thinking before we went into the game tonight, I said, you know, I think if our third, fourth lines can saw off, I think we'll win this game. Uh, and we almost did. <laughs> the, the problem was <laughs> the second line didn't get the memo. So, Yeah, and the hockey guards didn't either. Or no, they, got a they didn't memo. indeed. It was certainly a, certainly a factor. Um, I think just, we should call them hockey, from me. hockey demons from now on. Yeah. Not bad. A quickie for me. I thought. I thought. I thought. Yessi Pugliarvi was quite good tonight. He had three shots on that. He was plus one. Um, he made. He made back to back sharp defensive plays in his yes. own zone, uh, mm-hmm. which really caught my eye. I, th- I thought he was solid. That that all three players in that first yeah. line I thought were good tonight. Yeah, Yessi was fine, and he was fine in all three zones. He he, he did win. Uh, lots of puck battles along the walls, and some of those were along his own, you know, along his own sideboards in the defensive zone, and others were along the end walls in the offensive. So, well, he's he, got uh, he's got he's got a quick first step. He's he's got size and he's got reach. So if you use those three attributes, you should win a lot of puck battles. And I thought mm-hmm. he did tonight, and he was quite successful as a result. So, so. Anyway, Oilers got one power play tonight, which is one more than they got in the in two of the games against Toronto <laughs> at home. But uh, their power play didn't get much of a sniff, did it? No, not really. I, I I said out loud to my wife while we were watching the power play. I said I'm not seeing a lot of movement on this power play. Right. I thought they were passing the puck back and forth, but I thought the players were too stationary, uh, okay. and that makes for a predictable power play. And with those five guys on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no need to be predictable with that with that level of skill on there. And I mean, some credit to to Toronto on, on the kill side. I mean, they they deserve some kudos there as well. But I did think that the the man advantage was too stationary, and and I just thought the it gave the Leafs time to get advantage. in lanes and that sort of thing. The yes, it's so. more my point. You know, some nights you get the power play, and the first one is kind of creaky, and the second one gets a couple of dangerous shots. By the third one, you're putting one in the net. Well, yeah. Toronto is squeaky clean, apparently. They've got all the Lady Bing Penguins <laughs> on the same team. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Uh, I probably sound like a whiny old grumpy. I don't know. Can't blame you. I think there's yeah. probably a lot of people in oil country feel the same way tonight. So. Yep. I'm sure that's the case. Uh, I wonder if, uh, speaking of lineup, I wonder if we see the um, the Caleb Jones, William Lagason swap for the next game. I thought Lagason, who I generally like, I thought mm-hmm. he struggled with this with the with the aggressiveness and the speed of the Maple Leafs forecheck tonight, um, and and he certainly didn't come out well uh, five on five. His his five on five. CF was five thirteen twenty seven percent. Yeah, and and yes, paired with Larson, but I didn't didn't think I saw Larson struggle the same amount. Uh, I thought, but I thought maybe that second pairing, which is uh, certainly the Oilers' slowest of their three pairings, I thought got exposed a little bit by the Leafs' forecheck tonight. Yeah, what I saw from Lagason was um, uh, 
weak handling of the puck. Like he had the puck in his own zone, clear possession of it three or four times, and his preferred play was uh, lobbing it out into center, what I call the punt, you know, where yeah. you gain a zone but you lose possession. And it has the equivalent equivalent outcome as a punt in football. And, of course, you'd rather be carrying or passing that puck out over your own blue line and getting a first down and then moving it up the field, you know, to carry the analogy through. But uh, yeah. uh, Lagesson doesn't seem to be very creative with the puck, and his idea of a safe play is off the boards and out, off the glass yeah. and out, up high well, there in was, the air and out. But not yeah. much comes out of those. There was one play in the third period where he had the puck in his own corner to Mike Smith's left and just froze. And there, there was, uh, there was uh, an Oilers player on either side of them, and he just stood there. And I remember shouting out loud, "Said, we'll move it somewhere." Yeah. And I think, I think he eventually just flipped it, flipped it up in the air. Yeah. Um, but it was a moment of indecisiveness that I thought, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a rookie D man. You're, you yeah. look, uh, it's uh, that's not really a criticism of him. That's going to happen every so so often with young defenders, and we we should expect that. But it was a case where I thought. Uh, he's in. He's in a little over his head there on that particular sequence. Yeah. Well, the Oilers got outshot out seven to one on his watch and outscored one to nothing. And that last stat is the critical one. Yeah, playing with arguably the Oilers' best defender in Adam Larson. Right? So, yeah. Yes. Yep. Anyway, I guess we've gone probably around the horn uh, enough on uh, tonight's game. Any last thoughts or any projections as to what we might expect to see on Monday besides maybe the two lineup changes you suggested? Um, I'm not, I'm not too sure in terms of uh, what to expect, except that I think maybe the Oilers will, will be a little sharper offensively. I mean, it was a long layoff uh, through Mm -hmm. no fault of their own. And, Mm -hmm. and I thought that uh, the first period uh, I was like you, when we got out of the first period tied zero zero, I thought, well, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think their sharpness, uh, c- can probably be expected to be dialed up a little bit in the next game. Um, I think the quality with which Mike Smith played tonight and given the comment you said that Dave Tippett made about thinking that his team maybe wasn't there for their goaltender, uh, that screams to me, Dave Tippett, putting Mike Smith back in the net and yeah. saying, be better for him this time. I, I, I just wonder. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I got a day off between games. Uh, it is. I'm hearing some scuttlebutt that uh, they might be playing in Montreal on Tuesday. That mm. um, Montreal is scheduled to come back and play a game at Ottawa. Uh, but while Edmonton is still out east before they fly home, they they they've, the, the Suggestion was that the Montreal-Ottawa game will be postponed in order that Montreal can make up one of the games against Edmonton. So that, well, that would make that, case, that would Costa make sense. Play yeah. one of those games for sure. Yeah, but I'm yeah. with you. I think they'll tip it. Will go to Smith in uh, back uh, second game against uh, uh, against Toronto. Yeah, there would be some guilty incentive there, right? <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's leave it uh, let's leave it there, Kurt. Uh, thanks very much for uh, pinch hitting for David, who's uh, uh, who's on a little road trip this weekend. And uh, to uh, uh, so thank you for uh, for stepping up and and uh, and uh, being the second person on the podcast. And it's great having uh, having uh, such a voice of authority sitting in the bullpen for us. 
<laughs> well, it's always great to chat with you, Bruce. I'm I'm no David, but I'm happy to pinch it so when when required. I'm I'm your I'm your rusty stob coming off the, the bench for the for the '79 Expos. All right, hit one in the swimming pool in Jerry Park, and I'll be happy. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Kurt. Thanks everyone for listening. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.